Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Hello. Hello. Why are we so... Why are we... Spaciously... Podcasting. Pausing. Podcasts. Podcasts. What are they? Podcasts. Have you Podcast heard? is a means of uh, syndicated <laughs> audio content distributed via the internet. Wait, does it have to be distributed via the internet? Digitally. Okay, alright. But can we have, um, can we put it on any other digital format? Can I have like a cool... Pod- singles? Yeah, like a cool podcast zine where I distribute all my USB thumbsticks to everyone. <laughs> I'm sure someone's done that. And they're just like, why are you doing this? Why don't you send it to me via like, I don't know, email or some shit. I'll be like, no, no. If JoJo's World ever made it big, which it won't because it's... I'm kind of moving away from wanting to commodify this thing. <laughs> what do you mean? You never wanted to in the first place. Um, I yeah, I would I would be a hundred percent into doing like uh, cassette singles and USB limited edition episodes. What about shirts that contain a USB thing oh, on them? Or it's a um, it's a shirt and the image on the shirt. Everyone is a unique QR code. Oh shit! Because you know everyone loves QR codes. That piece of technology that really caught off. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And Valentine, the other one of the co-hosts. This is JoJo's World, our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast. Where today we are recapping and discussing episodes nine and ten of Bacano. Hey, you come into my house, you call me a Bacano, eh? You come into my house, you make a Bacano, you sit down for a nice big steaming dish <laughs> of, of Bacano. And then you look up at your beautiful wife, Bacano, and say, my lovely Bacano, Bacano. This, is, this is some Bacano When the moon Bacano. hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's, that's Bacano, Bacano, baby. Bacano, of course, the uh, 1930 through 1933, with just a dash of the 1700s, uh, <laughs> Mobster slash alchemist uh, farce, I think it's fair to say. I would say more of a fiasco. Featuring such delightful characters as Jacuzzi Splot, Lad Russo, Chane Laffare, Huey Laffare, Cheslaw Meyer, Isaac... uh, Dian. Dian, Maria Harvent, Firo Procinezzo... Carol. Cat fucking Carol. We haven't seen Carol in a long time. It's been uh, many a moon since we've seen Carol. Oh, Carol. Many a moon since Carol has been awarded an arbitrary amount of points for contributing (laughs) to a conversation. And then succinctly bullied into giving the right answer afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that's Barkano, baby. It's 1932. It's 19... (laughs) Nick, before we get into 1932... (gasps) What? Overarching thoughts on these two episodes. I like we learned a lot. I like him, yeah. We learned a lot. Uh, we learned the identity of the woman in work clothes. <gasps> that woman! The rail tracer. <gasps> that rail tracer! And the often discussed Claire. <gasps> Claire. And two of those things have the same answer. But maybe not the two you might expect. But where is Ennis? <laughs> she is up in the mix. Somewhere. Absolutely. Is she on the train? No, no. Ennis never gets on the train. No, she Isaac up and Maria it. are on the train to go and see Ennis. Oh, also, I need to gloat for a moment because the conductors were at the end of the train. Which end? The back end. Okay, you got me there. Now, see, last week we had the absolute had a, most trivial a, argument. But a very sincere <laughs> argument. <laughs> the most heated argument over nothing. <laughs> It was a nothing argument that was everything to us. Now, of course, having lived that argument and then also edited it and then watched this week's episode, I understand where the root of my misunderstanding was. Mm. Because I was sure that the conductors were in the... um, The engine room. The engine room, where they would be, of course, conducting the train. Which is at the front of every train. Now, it does, of course, confuse me that they aren't in there. But, but apparently they're not. They're having a break. They're just, they're and just, just the train is unmanned. I yeah. guess. Yeah, that's how trains work. I don't know if that is. You know, they're basically. What if there was an obstruction on the track? Then they die. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's that's it. But of course, no. The conductors are in their special conductors' room on the entire opposite end of the train from where they need to do their job. Not in, for instance, say one of the many side rooms between there and there. <laughs> yeah, this is why I was confused because I was like, the conductors are at the back of the train. Just having a chill time. But but what? And this is why I am now confused, because that seems like the least logical place to put them. 
Well, I mean, in proximity to where they should actually be doing their job. Maybe there's another thing at the back of the train that lets them know if something's gone wrong, maybe. But it's like the 30s. They don't really have, like, instruments like that, you know? I guess, yeah. That It's probably a cold train, right? Or yeah. A, or a yeah. steam well, engine or something. It's a um, ornamental type, as we know from that old man in episode uh, two. It's a glorious ornamental Big, train. Big, beautiful train. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a BBT. <laughs> Bacano, episode nine. What's it called? Because I can't remember. Claire Stanfield faithfully executes his professional duties, or alternatively, faithfully carries out his mission. Ah. In 1932, after the train ends its trip, assassin Claire Stanfield, aka the Rail Tracer, in love with passenger Charnay Laferre, meets his adoptive family, the Gandors. Uh, yep, yeah, okay. He's in love with Charnay Laferre? That was obliquely alluded to in the episode, <laughs> so I wonder why the IMDb summary makes it so explicit. Hmm. But they are going to have an encounter at some point in the remaining episodes, we can assume. I guess. <laughs> I I didn't pick that up at all. You remember, we'll get to it in due course, of course, but near the end of the uh, episode, as he's meeting with the Gandors, he's like, hey, uh, there might be wedding bells in my future, boys. Uh, I see, I see. That is weirdly explicit on IMDb, given that he didn't mention a single name there. No. Hmm. I want to say maybe we got a brief, like, flash to Shanae, but of course we have been pronouncing that name wrong the whole time. Yeah. If there's one thing <laughs> As we know, is our one. As there's one thing we know about this show, it's that we done it wrong yeah. the nice. whole time. Uh, who else have we gotten wrong? We got Cheslaw, right? We got Zillard, right? We got Zillard, right? Yeah. Oh, I called him Zylord. Oops. All right. <laughs> also, Ennis. can I just say, what a weird name... Zillard Quates is. Well, I don't know what uh what origin that is of. Could be um British. I'm gonna guess like Eastern European of some sort. Maybe, but or Western European. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> somewhere European. We can assume. But what kind of name is Zillard Quates? I'm sure it's perfectly natural, if a bit maybe extra from where he's from. <laughs> it's like, what should we name well, our son? It's no Fiero Prochinetzo. That is true. It is no Fiero Prochinetzo. But I always think of him as Fiero Prosciutto. That's like... Of course, Prosciutto, uh, best known for fighting Bruno Bucciarati on a train. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Could you imagine a Barkano Jojo crossover? Yeah, because someone made that OP. No, no, no. Not just the OP, but like that one episode where... Oh, the train battle takes place on the Transcontinental Express, the flying pussyfoot. And the rail tracer is just that crazy dude. Um, Prosciutto? No, the helicopter. The helicopter guy. The helicopter guy. Fungus and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, chocolate guy. Yeah. Who's just like, I'm gonna fungus. But why would he be there and not say any of the stand users who are actually on the train? Well, he is a stand user that's on the train now. Arguably, Bruno Bucciarati kind of rail traces it up a bit, coming in through the walls and grabbing people. That's true. That's true. I okay. watched a compo of um, Bruno having the best fight compilation for like all of, uh, sorry, fight Cory for like all of part five. Mm-hmm. And to my mind, obviously he gets a lot of great moments. Uh, like for instance, when he's fighting Seko and uh, he uses his zip abilities and and the and Seko's softening of the ground to like fling a like rebar at his throat. Mm. Uh, but of course to my mind, the absolute zenith of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure fight Cory uh, is epitomized in Bruno Bucciarati zipping his way through a wall, punching uh prosciutto with his stand and simultaneously with his own human feet, just kicking Pesci <laughs> right in the head. <laughs> I mean, why is Bruno so cool? He's just cool. He just... I you don't... wouldn't know it from hearing about his power. You wouldn't know it from looking at his hair. But he's just cool. He's just a cool fucking just dude. Just a cool dude. But he's not in this show. No. But you know who is in this show? Claire Stanfield. <gasps> why, Claire Stanfield is not the character that we're talking no. about right now. It's 1932. Nicholas, the newspaper man, is in the newspaper offices talking to his unnamed Chinese associate, who is like, oh yeah, Eve Genoard just got kidnapped. And Nick's all like, oh. Oh, okay. actually, no, they're not talking about that. They are talking about the Transcontinental Express, the Flying Pussyfoot. Oh. oh. You see, the train arrived safely, but a lot of the passenger cars were replaced because of circumstances, which no one is really sure about. But there was definitely a large incident on the train. Mm. Several passengers died. But 
that girl was riding aboard the train. Who could that be? Uh, in the dub, it just says who it is. And I Rachel. Was like, Rachel. And I was like, who the fuck is Rachel? Oh, Nick, Rachel is the woman in work clothes. <laughs> there she is. She's here. She works for the newspaper. Ah. She comes in. She's got very serious eyes. And she is immediately conducted to the director's office to have a nice conversation with the man behind a big pile of paperwork. He's all like, Rachel, I'm so glad you're here. Um, I'm so glad you're safe. And now, she's like, yes, me too. Now, I wouldn't want to push you for more information due to your injury. She's but, got a big leg injury. We don't know how that happens yet. But uh, I'm going to have to push you for information despite your leg injury. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind, let's uh, push forward. There's a, so Nicholas is also in the room and he keeps like cracking wise, like, oh, riding without the ticket again, huh, Rachel? Uh, and then the director's like, Nicholas, be respectful. She's injured. Nick, and shut the fuck up. <laughs> great dub dialogue. He like snaps to attention. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm not funny. <laughs> oh, man. So, Rachel, how was the journey? She was like, it was good, but uh, I don't know if you've noticed my fucking leg, Nick. Yeah. Look, some stuff happened. Okay, can you tell us about the rail tracer? <gasps> The rail tracer. The rail tracer. The rail tracer. The rail tracer. And we cut to her uh, in the dining cart way back in like episode two or whatever it was, where Isaac and Maria are loudly telling Jacuzzi Splot about the rail tracer. And Jacuzzi's like, ah! And she's overhearing it. And she's like, I did hear some passengers talking about the rail tracer. Some sort of urban legend. And I do believe I encountered such a thing. There was definitely a monster, but I only know what I saw, which is when I was crawling along the outside of the train, mm-hmm. as you do. As you do when you work for a newspaper. I saw a monster smash a man down into the tracks, destroying his body. And then he saw me and leaned in real close. And we see that shot where previously the rail tracer leaned in real close to her and whispered unheard dialogue. Mm-hmm. But now we hear that unheard dialogue and he's basically like, Tickets, please. And she's all like, ah! ah! It's as if I, it knew that I was riding the train without a ticket. She was riding the train without a oh ticket? Oh my god. Oh my god, that is re- reprehensible. Sin. Oh my god. Didn't even tag on it, smart rider. I had respect for her, and now it's gone downhill. Very obscure joke about the tag on, tag off method of transit um, cards in Perth, Western Australia. Wait, what joke did you just make? I smart riders. I wasn't paying any attention. Joke is a very strong word. Oh, okay. It was a reference at best to smart riders and Mikey cards in Melbourne. <laughs> that one's beyond me. They're basically smart riders from Perth. They're, they're like electronic RFID cards, just like smart riders in Perth, uh, that you tap onto a little thing and then they go beep and then that's like it deducts money from the card. Listeners, I'm sure you can sub in what we're saying for your own local variant of what I'm sure is a very commonly used system. Yeah, in America, you have your Subway card, right? And that's that's where you go to Subway and you order a (laughs) sub and then you put your credit card down and it goes beep and then the money is taken out of the account, right? And then you get on the BART, the Bay Area Railway Transit System. Mm -hmm. And you just go like, oh, why am I in the Bay Area? And with this crazy accent. Hey, I'm from the South. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's in the Bay Area. Lad Russo, we see him finding the dead conductors. And he's like, holy, holy shit. Someone really fucked these boys up. Why wasn't it me? I love it. I love this. And like he goes in this whole rant and he's like, oh man, someone really fucked this guy up. Is this our mate Dune? Oh my God, Dune. Oh my God. And then he's like dancing in the blood and he's like, and then there's me here and I'm going to get to fight whoever did this. Oh man. And he's like, Dune doesn't have a face anymore, boys. Why doesn't Dune have a face anymore, boys? The hunter has become the hunters. Guys, you've seen Predator, haven't you? Yeah. No, you haven't. Oh, Nick, 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 I'm what? so excited. <laughs> There's a movie that I saw the trailer for this week. I never thought you'd be so excited at the mention of Predator, but okay. Uh, it's called Jiu-Jitsu. Okay. And it's a martial arts Predator ripoff. What? The trailer, from what I could tell from the YouTube comments, did not seem to feature any jujitsu moves. <laughs> but okay. uh, it's about an alien that you have to like send your best martial arts, or in this case, quote unquote, jujitsu warriors, to fight it if you're chosen. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the man, the man who has survived 
round after round and is the sort of eccentric mentor slash exposition figure mm. is portrayed by none other than America's greatest actor Nicholas Cage. Cage. Is that a joke? No. Is it okay? You're not shitting me right Nicolas now. Nicholas Cage martial arts predator movie. <laughs> okay. Jiu-jitsu. No, don't get my hopes up. Okay, I made the joke Nicholas Cage, assuming I'm that a, were... I would never joke about Nicholas Cage <laughs> being in a movie. Oh. But, okay, I was like, wow, this is a funny joke. Now I'm like, oh my god. When's it coming out? What, what's I don't going- know. What do you mean? What, you need to know that. I'm Googling Nick, there's it. a global pandemic going on. We don't know when any movie is going to come out. It's true, and it probably never will, but I'm Googling it just to find it. It's called Jiu-Jitsu the movie. It's just called Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu 2020. Oh my god, it's Nicholas fucking Cage. And who's the other guy? Oh, like, there's like some, some legit martial arts actors in there. Oh my god. Tony oh Jaa. Tony Jaa? Frank Grillo? Don't know who that is. Neither do I. <laughs> but. Nicholas- Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> Nicholas. Okay, I've got the poster. Nicholas Cage is holding a samurai sword. Which seems to be glinting with some sort of magical aura. A katana, if you will. The guy behind him is actually in a fighting pose, not with a sword. I want to say that's Tony Jaa. Uh, and then we've got two other people. I assume Frank Grillo and Elaine Moosey. But no Juju Chan. And no Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> and no Jiu-Jitsu at all. From Dimitri Logothetis, director of Kickboxer Retaliation. Oh, we love Kickboxer Retaliation. Is this the guy from... Uh, it's not that uh, Indonesian one. The, Ong the, Bak. the Rise or whatever it is. Ong Bak. Is that the guy from Ong Bak? Maybe. Shit, yeah, I'd be down for this film. Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. yeah, Ong Bak starring Tony Jaa. Holy shit. The guy from Ong Bak and Nicolas Cage. Great. So we're all excited about that. Nick, we flash back <laughs> to um, the sequence in which we see um, the middle-aged conductor uh-huh. menacing the young conductor with a gun, being like, that's right, I'm one of the Lemures. And you know and, how it's And the be. rail tracer, who I am... Saying is us is gonna kill you all, and I've got a gun pointed at your head. And then I really like the way we see this. It's like a close up. It's like uh, the shortest frame, so we see the back of the young conductor's head, mm-hmm. and the main focus is on the face of the middle aged conductor and the gun that we are staring down the barrel of. Mm-hmm. And then we see like intercut twice from two different perspectives. Just the gun fly out of this guy's hand to be caught by the young conductor, because in the wide shot that we then finally get, the young conductor, aka Claire Stanfield, aka the assassin. And Vino, aka the rail tracer, uh-huh. his leg just snaps up, kicks the guy's gun out of the hand, and catches it. Like, oh, by the way, I'm the world's greatest assassin. It's a shame that you thought you could kill me. Yeah. But uh, I've got a job to do here. You see, there is a rescue method from the rail tracer. You've just got to kill before you get killed. Anyway, gonna kill you now. And then, just to provide. The perfect misdirect, after he shoots this guy in the head, uh-huh. the man that we saw snatch the old conductor's uniform and murder him way back as everyone was boarding the train in episode two. Yep. He saunters on in. As, if you recall, he has red hair. Mm-hmm. He saunters on and he's like, hey, conductors, here to get up to some mischief. And then Claire Stanfield, aka the rail tracer, is like, oh, you're obviously a bad guy. There are only supposed to be two conductors on here. I'm going to fucking murder you until I figure out what's going on. And the guy's all like, no, I think you're mistaken. I'm definitely one of the legit conductors. He's like, all right, come with me. Yep. Takes him out the door. Mm -hmm. And then... Prolonged sequence. Yeah, so, okay, so what happens is Vino, a.k.a. the young conductor who's just shot the middle-aged conductor, a.k.a. the rail tracer. (laughs) A.k.a. Claire Stanfield. He's all like, hey, you're not meant to be here. And the other guy, who is very young and we will soon find out is Dune. Yep. Mm -hmm. The hit film from Frank Herbert. Um, he He's just like, hey, I'm definitely a good guy. And man with gun, aka Vino, is all like, no, you're not. No, you're not. There's only two conductors and I'm one of them. And the guy's like, no, I'm one of them. It's like, no, I'm one of them. It's like, well, all right then. Cleth drops the gun and like turns his back on him and walks out the door. And the young guy's like... The, an external door, I should say. And the guy's all like, well, I'll pick up this gun and... Oh, he's gone. Oh, he pulls out his own gun, in fact. Oh, he pulls out his own gun. Because like, he is, of course, a uh, yeah, murderer. He's, yeah, and he's like, well, I've got my own job to do. Where's he gone? Snatched, held down on the tracks. Hey, tell me what's going on. Smash your hand into the uh, the rails below. You lose all your fingies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a good look of how he's like connected up to the train, which yeah. is like he's got his legs around... 
the mechanisms underneath, mm-hmm. and he's got those red killer eyes of the rail tracer. And he's like, uh, ask you again, oh my god, yeah, we love killing people, me and Lad Russo. He's like, you're saying you're doing this just because you love killing people? Well, better kill you now. Well, alright, I'm just gonna... One more thing, why are you wearing a conductor's uniform? And the guy's like, I uh, love the way it this feels. This guy's hysterical, he's laughing maniacally, uh, he's in a lot of pain, and he's very afraid. He's like, it just makes me feel good. That old conductor taught me everything I know about being a train conductor. Anyway, die. Uh, so then... And that is why, as we alluded oh. to previously, the body that we assumed was the body of the young conductor is seriously messed up in those brief shots we get of it. Like, missing a whole arm. Yeah. And... It's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, Vino smushes his face deep down into the depths of the moving rails. Yep. And uh, he's still laughing and he's all like, this guy's a bit weird. And then snap back to Lad Russo, who's all like, wow, Dune got fucked up. Yeah. I'm going to go kill some black suited guys. So you guys go hide, okay? Okay, Lua, kill you later. <laughs> and Lua's all like, Bye. Okay, I've got low blood sugar. I'm probably clinically depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I have Stockholm Syndrome, but very low energy. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, another cutaway to Claire, who is putting blood all over his face. Claire, aka uh, okay, Vino, aka okay, Rail Tracer, aka yeah, okay, like, middle, not middle aged conductor, but the I man shall, who killed him. I shall become the Rail Tracer. Blood all over face. And he's just like literally got war paint, but blood. Yeah. And then he's the Rail Tracer. Now he's now the Rail Tracer. Love to be the Rail Tracer. <laughs> um, we cut back to Rachel, and she's all like, yeah. I don't know what was going on in that train, eh? And the director's like, oh yeah, that was Vino, the legendary assassin. Yeah, he uh, he comes from train to train to uh, kill people. We can tell that he is likely Vino because we can never figure out how Vino would pop up in one city after another to do assassinations. But if he's a conductor on a transcontinental express train, well, that makes sense. Hmm. He's well known for his outlandishly grotesque murders that leave a lot of a mess. Yeah, because that's how he can be certain that his target has been killed, even if, if he has to leave imminently. Hmm. The only way to be sure that someone is dead is by putting them in a blender. Now, who's Vino, you ask? Why, he's Claire Stanfield. He lived next door to the Gandor family. Didn't ask. And when his father died, they basically adopted him. Oh. So he's like the unofficial fourth Gandor. Oh. We can add that to our web. Oh, no more Gandors. And of course, we know that Firo, in episode two or whatever it was, was excited by the prospect of Claire coming to New York. So Claire must be a delightful fellow. Yeah. When he's not murdering everyone. <laughs> Here I go killing again. Oh, That's basically gosh. Claire, right? Gosh, guys, I'm so excited to murder again. But, I mean, where's Fero? So, I so miss him. In his youth, Claire spent some time with the Gandors. Then he ran away to join the circus and learn how to be an amazing acrobat. Mm. Then he ran away from the circus to kill people for money. Now, the thing is, while he was And also in... drive big, beautiful trains. While he was in the circus, apparently he gained superhuman abilities of acrobatics yeah. and such. Which makes a lot more sense than just he became an acrobat because superhuman acrobat is the only way you could be underneath the train and on also on top well, of the train. He's all over the train. He's all over that shit. And we get a we get a quick vignette now of him murdering some more Russos because uh, there's two of them in a carriage picking over the bodies of a couple of the Lemures in the black yeah. suits. One of them is just laughing Joker style. Standing there with a knife. And he's just like, this is amazing. <laughs> People the guy, are dying. He's like, hey, can you shut the fuck up? It's great for you guys just being psychopaths, but I actually want to rob these people because I'm... I, I I'm still money. really messed up, but I'm not quite on your level. <laughs> Look, I'm fucked up, but I also have a family yeah. to pay for, okay? I've got mouths to feed. i got a sick little sister. <laughs> Look... I've got a super account that's a little dry. And then Laughing Guy is suddenly gone, and then the lights flicker, and then he gets rail traced. <gasps> Vino. Claire, the rail tracer. Oh my god. They call him Vino because his bodies are so fucked up, it's as if they'd been drowned in red wine, but the red wine is, is blood. blood. What oh. does Vino mean? Wine. Does it? Yeah. What a barcano. In Vino Veritas, they ah. say. In wine, there is truth. Ah, that's funny because I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I would have thought in blood they'd, well, actually no, in blood they'd be silenced, wouldn't there? Because Vino literally tore them apart. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. In blood there is death. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Which is quite ironic because you need blood to live. 
Yes. Especially if you're a vampire. But especially if you're not a vampire. Wow, that's a weird... <laughs> like, you need blood to live, especially if you're undead. But definitely not if you're undead. But if you're normal dead, no. Nick, we get a special treat now. The episode gives us a, a delightful special treat. Did it? Cutting back to the scene at the end of episode two, where everyone's getting off the train. <gasps> and they're all meeting each other again. So we remember that Isaac and uh, Firo are quite excited to see each other. Uh, Cheslaw and Miser. Uh, and the Gandors, who are also there, get a telegram <gasps> instructing them to go meet Claire. And they're like, hey, Claire, great to see you. And he's like, don't call me Claire anymore. I'm the rail tracer or Vino. And they're like... And he's discarded right. his conductor's uniform and is wearing a rather stylish black trench coat. Yeah. Even by modern standards, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. You know? I get the impression that he genuinely enjoyed his work as a conductor. Like, he get a lot of respect for the old man. I think he just likes murdering people and gets a lot of gratification from it. <laughs> yeah, I think he... Uh, I, th I think he's probably quite sad to have to give up that... Uh... Yeah, potentially, yeah. Like, he remind. Okay, I have to put it out there. That suit, that jacket, reminds me a lot of Joker from Persona 5. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah. It's the last surprise, isn't it? And uh, the way he gleefully kills people reminds me a lot of Joker from uh, Joker. Oh, because a he... movie I have not seen. How have you still not seen that movie? I mean, I've seen The Comedian or whatever it's called. Uh, oh, starring uh, Robert De Niro? Yeah. Yeah. Same movie, right? Uh, <laughs> I guess in a less fucked up way. But, you know, probably a King better... King of Comedy, that's what I'm thinking King of, of yeah. Comedy, that's the one. Man, what a good film. Yeah, it's fine. How dare you? Oh man, last night was so easy, Gandors. You guys got any better killings for me to do? Man, that train, that was just a warm-up. I'm ready to kill for fucking money. And then I want to marry Shane Lavaray. Does he actually say Shane at no, any point? No, he just says, uh, in the dub, he's like, there might be wedding bells in my future. But then who... But, but then... How... IMDB, how did you come to this conclusion? Uh, it's what happened. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Just a, uh, you know, you know, you, you win some, you bark a no. You know, mm -hmm. it's all in the wind. It has been reported that Vino has a somewhat warped sense of justice, says the director. Oh no, and then shit! Rachel is like, but he killed a child, a child around ten years old. The director's hand stops momentarily as yeah. he's writing down, which notes. is the most we've ever seen of him. Hmm. And he's like, a child. Well, then perhaps you can ask that child yourself, Rachel. What? <laughs> what? What? That's what he says. Does he? Yeah, because of course the child is Cheslaw, who is immortal. So he's not dead. Oh, I get what you're saying. And uh, Rachel's all like, what? But that, that doesn't make any sense. He's dead, right? Dead people stay dead. That's people how... die when they are killed. That's how dead people work. Also, you haven't told us how you got that leg injury yet. Oh, well, that's a story for another time. 1930, in the past. Dallas Genoard and his three goons slowly come to consciousness after being kidnapped by Ennis. Um, and the first thing they see is Ennis being all like, Hello, mm -hmm. I'm Ennis. And they're all like, hey, boss, I think they put something in the water that, that's paralyzed they us. They put something in the water, then put the water in a syringe, then injected us with it. <laughs> they put the water in us, boss. They put the water in us. So what's happened now is Zillard uh, and Ennis uh, and their goons have... Uh, <laughs> their meaty men. Yep. Have injected the prototype immortality serum into Dallas and Co. The mm -hmm. one that makes them immune to wounds but not time. Ah. And are going to be like, hey... Oh, well, first Zilla drinks one of them. Mm-hmm. Big tasty memories. Well, ah, no, yes. no, first he does a lot of threatening where he's like, boys, listen. Oh, yeah, well, I'm skipping through for... What What are you, yeah. what are you done? And they're all like, fuck you. And yeah. then he drinks Tell Scott. me what my fucking Alexa is. Yeah. And then he drinks up Scott and he's all like, ah, Dallas Genoard. What a torrid history you have indeed. Ah, Dallas Genoard. You're kind of awful all the time. Yeah, Dallas Genoard. I would prefer you die, but I can't kill you yet. Anyway, go fight the Gandors for me, Dallas Genoard. And if you don't, I'll drink you up again. And then Ennis is like, hey boss, what are we doing? And uh, <laughs> Don't think, Ennis. Zillard's like, yeah, fuck you. Just just hold up. All the rich men come in and like, Mr. Zillard, how dare you give them even the lesser form of immortality? Up, 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 now. We, are, we, are, we deserve it because we're oh, so rich. Oh, oh, now, now, now. Let me explain to you why you don't want to do it. Because these boys here, they're useless to us. Other than 
as meat shields. Yeah, so we're going to let them fight the mafia, then I'll eat them all. Yeah, and... Uh, also, they... never question me again. <laughs> I'm Zilarquates. If they're good little boys, everything will be good. If they're not good little boys, I'll just drink them. And and we'll go get it ourselves. Because I'm immortal. Shane Lavaray delivers Senator Barium's daughter to Sir Senator Barium's wife in the carriage where they are being held hostage. And Mr. Goose is like, yep, we've kidnapped you both, saved your daughter from those horrible Russos. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can see, my uh, companion here, Shane Laferre, is here. Now, just take a seat, because I will have to kill you if anything goes wrong. Yeah, obviously, I'm on this train, so other people are negotiating with your husband about the release of Master Huey. But uh, there's a signal coming up that will let us know how it's going. And if it's going well, I won't kill you. Yet. Yeah, and if it's not going well, then uh, I'll kill you or your daughter. Um, if you try to escape, I'll kill your daughter. And if your daughter tries to escape, I'll kill your daughter. If it's any comfort, I'll shoot her myself. Mm. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> and the senator's there looking like, hmm. I sure don't actually care about my wife and daughter that much. Yeah. Intertwined fingers of, hmm. And obviously, of course, if the police try to barricade the rails, well, no one would know because if the conductors were alive, they would be at the back of the train. Ah. <laughs> but they are both dead as far as we know. Yep. Yep. Ennis is staking out the restaurant where all the gandors hang out. Uh, no main gandors are there, just some anonymous mooks. Uh, and Dallas and his newly semi-immortal asshole friends come in <laughs> and are like, Hey, gandors, give us that box that we left here before. Um, and, you know. <laughs> what? And they're just like, well, the, no? the main one of these guys is like, he's... For a mafia thug, he's like pretty reasonable. It's like, oh, we can't actually verify that's yours. So if you wait for Mr. Luck, rather than just being like, hey, get the fuck out of here. Uh, and they're just like, well, it's we can't say it's yours, so just go. Just just leave. And They've like, all got Tommy guns. And they just shoot him up. Yep. Uh, everyone gets shot up, the tables go flying. But then that one guy is still alive. And with pinpoint accuracy, despite being very wounded, he shoots them all in the head. And they all go down. Yeah. So Dallas Genoide, he's now dead. But he's not because the guy is limping over to the old timey phone. He's like, I need to call Mr. Luck. And then Dallas is next to him like, hey, man, that wasn't cool. And then stabs him in the head. And he's like, guys, we're immortal. <laughs> we can't die. This is fucking great. <laughs> All right, let's get that box and get out of here. On the train. In 1931. Cheslaw and Lad Russo enter an abandoned luggage cart. No one Cheslaw knows. runs around like an aeroplane for a little bit. No one knows how he got here. No one knows how they're going to get out. What do you mean? Well, like, literally all we heard was... We never saw them meet up. Yeah, we never saw them meet up. And all we get is he, uh, Lad Russo being like, Hey, kid, only reason you're not dead yet is because I like the cut of your jib. I like how you call me a young man despite me being 25. And I like the way you're being respectful to me. So listen, what do you want, kid? Oh, time for Cheslaw to be sinister. <laughs> I want you to kill everyone in the dining cart. And Lad Rosso is like, you want me to fucking what? Excuse me? Beg huh? your pudding. And then... Please don't make such a scary face. I'm pretending to be a child for about another 30 seconds. Shut up. What, what the hell are you asking And of course, me, us with our knowledge of dramatic irony. Uh -huh. We know that this is the very scene that we saw at the very start of the show... This is the very same setting in which uh, Lad Russo blows off Cheslaw Meyer's head. Yeah. It's almost like this. So we know this isn't going to go well for There's it. an inevitable conclusion yeah. here. We just don't know why. Please, sir. Please. Yeah. Can you kill everyone in the dining cart for me? Hey. You want a what, kid? Huh? Uh, an interesting proposition. And then, and this is the and end then. of that. This is the end of that first episode, and I love the way, like, it's it's a, a side shot of the two of them looking up and down at each other respectfully, and we slowly pan past them, and then just back in the darkness of the carriage, it's just blood-stained Claire listening to everything, like, Haha, I'm also in this scene. <laughs> the ultimate, oh yeah, I got this. <laughs> it's me, Claire, aka the Rail Tracer, aka Vino. Hmm. And that's the end of that episode. Yep, not a whole lot. Happened, but we learned a lot. We learned so much. You don't always need forward motion in a show like Barkano, because of course, as we jump around, we learn things that recontextualize our knowledge of previous scenes. And we're like, oh, it's not an alien monster jumping around the train killing people. It's a human it's an monster. acrobat, oh. the most monstrous of all humans. <laughs> Someone who has circus training. Uh, doesn't really explain how we got in and out of that cart with his whole body. But you know what? What do you That's mean? 
Well, I mean, he had his whole body come in, grab the dude, and then jump out the window, right? Yep. But then his whole body came in, I well, think. We never got a good look at it because the lights went out. It's true. It's true. Vino knows what he wants. Vino knows who he is. Episode 10 of 16. Oh, we're past the halfway point. Yep. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. Just like a train. Well, yeah, but trains also can't turn. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> There's no reversing the direction that we're going in. Actually, yeah, next episode we're going to start doing episodes uh, 8 through 1 in reverse order. <laughs> <laughs> Cheslaw has just been shot again. Cheslaw Meyer reflects on his scheme of being frightened by the shadow of an immortal. Nice. Or, as we, uh, the title we worked off uh, last week was something like, Cheslaw Meyer is forced to rethink his tremble in the spectre over mortal strategy. Mm. In 1931, Lad almost kills immortal Cheslaw Meyer. Oh, so close. In 1932, Dallas attacks the immortal Gandor brothers. Oh. That didn't happen. In Dallas? Yeah. In Dallas. What? In Dallas. <laughs> what? Isn't the... Oh, wait, Gustavo no, no. attacks the immortal Gandor brothers. Gustavo attacks the immortal Gandor. Don't, don't Maria and... In 1932, Dallas has gone missing. This is wrong. True, in 1932, Dallas is missing. Yeah, it's Gustavo. Hey, it's Gustavo, man. In 1930, Isaac and Maria steal the elixir and head to the Martillo's party. Isaac and Maria. Isaac and Maria. What will they get up to next? Drinking an immortal elixir, we yeah, can probably, assume. Probably, probably. <laughs> so we open. We open. Senator Berriam mm-hmm. has gone to visit Huey Laferre in ah, prison. His good old buddy. Huey. Huey Laferre. Fucking Huey. It's Newfoundland. It's 1931. What? Where is Newfoundland? You want me to find out? Yeah. I'm curious. I'm going to guess the United States of America. What if you're wrong? Then I will be perfectly fine with that. The Newfoundland dog is a large working dog. It can be either black, brown, grey or white and black. <laughs> Liam. Yeah? I feel like... Look at it. I feel like this is not... Oh, that's where Senator Berry is. From the island of Newfoundland in modern day Canada. Canada? Huey's in Canada? Newfoundland and Labrador is the easternmost province of Canada, situated in the country's Atlantic region, composed of the island of Newfoundland and the continental region of Labrador to the northwest. How did the senator get to Newfoundland so quickly? Mundane means. (laughs) Alrighty. I'll believe it. So quickly, as if coherent time has any meaning in (laughs) Barcano. Well? He's there. Well, if it isn't Huey Laferre... Your underlings have certainly been up to some bad business. <laughs> have they just? Yes. I'm Huey Laferre. They've kidnapped a train. Oh, have they? Threatening my family. Oh, wow. And I like this very brief shot. We just, like, the senator is so composed, but we see very briefly his hands clasped behind his back, nervously fidgeting. Mm. Oh, Senator Berrien, so cool and composed. And yet so deeply vulnerable. My wife and daughter are on the train. Oh, are they? I'm Huey Laferre. Well, I don't really... <laughs> What? Oh, are we? I'm Huey Laferre. (laughs) That's what he's like. He's just like, oh, yeah, well, it doesn't really matter anyway. And he stands up and he is backlit by the tiny cell window and he's talking about his philosophy. And we see, for the first of several times this episode, Mm -hmm. the symbolism of a bunch of white doves flying in the bright light, but then obscured behind some of the white doves is a black crow or (gasps) raven. a black raven. Certainly a sort of corvid, at least. Um, and Huey's like, well, nothing they do matters because I'm Huey Laferre. Yeah, their plan will fail. Yes, and I am still an immortal. My daughter should be on the train too, and she cares about me. But me, I don't care about them at all. Except she my knows. daughter. She knows she's all the whole world to me, and I'm the whole world to her. And they, well, they don't have a damn stick in the mud. On the train? I don't know what a damn stick in the mud means. I wasn't but, listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's Huey Laferre. He yep. don't give no fucks. Loves Nothing his they daughter, do matters. Shane. Yeah, whatever these, these dudes are doing, it doesn't matter. Pff, whatever. On the train, uh-huh. Shane wordlessly stands up and leaves the cabin. We later find her standing on the roof of one of the carriages. And uh, we're a bit confused as to why, but title card. Can you kill all the people in the dining car for me, mister? Says Cheslaw. I mean, who else would it be, right? <laughs> Uh, we're back in surely, the carriage. Surely you will enjoy it, and it will be good for my mysterious ends. 
And then Lad's all like, all right, kid, what's up with you? What's going on? Lad's like, you're not some innocent boy, are you? And Cheslaw takes off his porter's cap and then immediately adopts like a sinister expression and like the most like languid, sinister pose. And is like, oh, you're on to me, Lad Russo. It's me, Cheslaw. (laughs) If you kill all the passengers, I'll pay you $20,000. You see, I've got explosives on this train and... You can kill all them, then we'll blow blow up that with some of the explosives and we'll get off the train. Alright kid, why do you want me to kill everyone in the dining cart when you've got explosives? And he doesn't say, but he's worried because despite his best intentions, he had to reveal his true name when they were in the dining cart. Mm. Because of course we remember from the 1700s episode that the immortals cannot hide their true identities from each other. Uh. So he's worried of course that an immortal is on the train and wants to eat him and through the act of Lad killing everyone in the dining cart, he will know who it is. Mm. Um, and he needs to confirm the body. So by the one confirmed body coming back to life, he'll be able to say, oh, that's the immortal. I'll Better devour him them. Now. Yeah. So he basically says to Lad, oh, I just need to confirm the corpse. It's got to be a tricky tricky proposition being Chase Law Meyer. Because uh, amongst, amongst all the immortals, he undoubtedly is the most physically frail of them. Mm. You know, So if anyone wanted to forcefully seize and devour them, it would be comparatively quite easy. Mm. But Cheslaw, he's a thinker. Yeah, he's not. He's got to be. Yeah, he's a thinker, not a winker. You know what I'm saying? Nope. Good, because that didn't make any sense. But uh, he's the kind of guy who's all like, "Well, lad, I can manipulate you to my own ends. I've got a good connection with the Runarada family, and they'll pay you handsomely." Oh. So the Runarada family are, of course, the ones who uh, are currently in conflict with the uh, the Gandals. Uh, yep, the Gandals. And and the Genoids. And the Genoids. Yep. Of course, they are alluded to having killed Eve's father and brother. Mm-hmm. Good old Runaradas. Yep. Gustavo. Gustavo Runarada. Um, and Lad's like, I'm listening, but why don't you just blow up the fucking train? I mean, that's what he's saying, right? And the black suit people, we blame for everything. Oh. <laughs> and then Cheslaw's face just is like... look how fucking evil he looks here. I can't go in with force myself, but if you do it, mister, then everything will be fine and dandy. Lad's like... Wow, I thought you knew how to speak to me, but I guess you're just a dumb little shit after all. Yeah, because you couldn't even figure out that I was going to do this. You feel so safe and secure, and we know from my monologue to my very upset uncle (laughs) that that's the people I like to kill most, so I'm going to blow your head off right now. So he shoots him in the head? Yep. And then, um, he dies. Yep. 1932, Gustavo Runarada gets out of bed in his pink nightgown and his nightcap, the long, square-faced, lazy mafia man has pretended to tie himself up. And he's like, oh, it must have been those... They must have hit me on the back of the head and then Eve escaped. Of course, we know from a couple of episodes ago that he just didn't give a shit as he watched Eve walk away. Oh, it must have been those Genoards. It must have been. Oh, look, they tied me up and everything. Gandors. Must have been the Gandors. <laughs> must have been those damn Gandors. As he slowly, like, literally just unties his own knots. Yep. Eve is running down the street and is pulled into a nearby taxi by Elian, who I'm sure was called Bruno in an earlier episode. It was always Elaine, I'm sure. But I thought I, don't know. I thought when Samath, okay, Samantha, uh-huh. uh, and and him introduced themselves to each other with great affection, mm. she was like, Bruno! Yeah. No, I don't know. Maybe they're immortal. No, why would that be the case? Because then his true name is Bruno. But his false name is Elaine that everyone thinks is Elian. El- Elian. Are you looking up Elian Bruno? Yeah. We gotta know the answer. Apparently his full name is Elian Duga. So don't know what happened there. Don't know what happened with Bruno, but Bruno. Bruno. Bucciarati. <laughs> a man. A myth. A legend. An absolute mad lad. I'm getting no responses for Bruno. Bruno Barcano. Hmm. Bruno Barcano, also known as Good name. Good Elian. Name. <laughs> That's my new D&D character. Well, look, I don't know how that happened, but if there's one thing that we can be certain of, we're not as good at recapping this show as we are JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> well, JoJo's just sears into your mind. Yeah. Bakuno's more like a, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, I get it now. Um, Thanks for saving me, Mr. Elian. Yes, Eve is pulled into the car by Elian, and she's all like, oh, what's going on? I feel so bad for contributing to the fact that you were kidnapped that I'm going to give you some secret information about <gasps> Dallas. Secret information about Dallas? That's the one thing I want. The Gandors might know where he is. The Gandors? Take me to them right now. I need to know where he is exactly. 1930. Back Isaac and Maria past. are staring at the New York skyline. Well, Maria, 
I wonder if Ennis delivered those guys to the police. Boy, I sure hope so as well. Oh, that's my best, Maria. That's so it. what mafia family should we rob? Well, there's only two that I can think of right now. Specifically, they want to do two that are... Small time. Small, small enough time that they won't have a national network of contacts that they can put on their trail. And there's only two that fit the bill. The, uh, Gandors. Yeah. And the Martellos. Yeah. Well done. Boom. Nick remembered something. <laughs> Which is good, because I completely forgot the Martillo name. <laughs> um, so... They immediately start walking towards the Gandalf. They're walking down the fire escape they're up the top of. Uh, and we get a shot of them in Maria. Times Square, Maria waving her arm. Like, they, like um, let's get him. Like someone winding up for a big punch or a baseball pitch. Big old stretch. Yep. So they've staked out the uh, restaurant where the Gandors hang out. And they see Dallas and his goons leaving with the immortality elixir that they went and shot up the place for last episode. Mm. Not recognising these are the very same thugs who beat them up in an alleyway days ago. This very day, perhaps. <laughs> likely. Likely this Extremely very day. likely, yeah. Um, and they just go, right, you see what they're carrying, Maria? That's got to be bribe money. That has to be some kind of special safe content. And we'll have to rob them because the safe will be empty now. Meanwhile, Dallas and his thugs are like, hey, maybe that guy will just kill us when you give it this. No, that's fine. We'll just point the guns at it and say they have to pay us. Ah. We're immortal now. You're a real thinker, Dallas. You're a real thinker. Yeah. It's like, I am a real thinker. That's why they call me Dallas. I'm really smart, and that's why all my plans in this show are going to go really well for me, Dallas. I learn from the things that go wrong. Nick, what are your thoughts on what the current status of Dallas is in the Eve time? I feel like he is... Well, okay, from the OP... Yep, I there's a significant clue there. I assume he's sleeping with the fishes, mm. but he's constantly dying yep. over and over You're again. You're pretty on the money there, my friend. Yeah, because I feel like someone got really angry at him and then sent him underwater, and now he's like, wow, I get to drown over and over again. Not a great, not a great fate. Mm. He gets bootstrap build. Yeah, not good. Um, so... So let's rob him. So Isaac appears in the alleyway... And he's, uh, he's wearing the tribal mask, the samurai helmet, a big cape, and his suit. And he's all like, it is me, the man who survived through the... Reichenbach Falls. Professor Moriarty. Of course, Reichenbach Falls is, of course, the uh, waterfall that uh, Sherlock Holmes and uh, Moriarty were battling uh, in uh, in what was initially intended to be the final Sherlock Holmes story mm -hmm. in which they both, in their struggle, go over the falls. Mm. Sherlock, of course, survives because popular demand brought the character back. Faked his own death. Yep. Yep. Nice. You know, this is really more of a conversation for my other podcast, <laughs> Mystery Twins Detective Agency, which is currently experiencing hashtag Sherlockdown, where we're experiencing, oh, exploring no. a bunch of different Sherlock Holmes depictions. Ah. Uh, but it bothers me. Mm -hmm. It bothers me how much contemporary depictions of Sherlock Holmes rely on Moriarty. Mm. He was in like two Sherlock Holmes stories. Yeah. But he's such a memorable dude. Yeah. And it's just the Overplayed classic... though. But classic shonen... Uh, storytelling methods. No, classic shonen storytelling methods. If you're not getting ratings, introduce a rival. He's not even a rival, though. He's a, then a nemesis. What? Yeah, a rival. Similarly, heavy reliance on the femme fatale character of Irene Adler, who, of course, only appeared in one Sherlock Holmes story. I have no idea who that is. She is a woman who, in her first appearance, relied on the... Uh, sexual misconduct of her peers. No. Relied on the fact that Sherlock Holmes would underestimate her because she was a woman and happened to outsmart him with a particular mm. scam she escaped with and which has snowballed into her being some sort of inv invincible femme fatale. I see, I see. But what if she was, from the very start, immortal? I mean, she wasn't. That's not... Oh. <laughs> that's not that's the not way Sherlock. that works. <laughs> anyway, Barkano. Sidebar, um, someone pointed out to me <laughs> yeah. that... Um, Isaac, uh, his visual design in this show is likely a reference to uh, Lupin the Third, who mm. uh, looks quite similar. Yeah, who is a little bit outrageous, much like our boy Isaac. And of course, uh, the original character of Arsène Lupin was a very popular French literary figure, uh, much along the lines of Sherlock Holmes. And of course, the writer of Lupin wanted to have a Sherlock Holmes um, and Lupin crossover, mm. but uh, Arthur Conan Doyle was not into it. So, of course, Lupin crossed paths with the master detective, Herlock Sholmes. <laughs> you could just do that in that day. Oh my god, amazing. I'm Professor Moriarty. No one reacts. Maybe you could call me Jack the Ripper? 
Dallas is just like, uh, is this a joke? Then Maria pops up behind them and throws like a smoke grenade. Yeah, and they run away with the with the uh, what they assume is money. And like, <laughs> and Annas <laughs> is watching the whole thing, and she's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. I guess I'm involved in this now. This and is... she goes and finds the disguise they ditched, and is like, oh yeah, that was Isaac. Huh. I guess that's Isaac's shit. Cheslaw comes back to life. Cheslaw reforms from the ashes of his own stupidity. I thought I could use Lad, but he's too dangerous. Well, I I guess I'm still worried about this other immortal on the train. I don't want to get eaten. I'll have to eat them first. And then Claire, in the, still in the carriage, is like, I heard the whole thing. Didn't that guy just die? That's a weird thing to see. Eve and Elian enter the Gandor restaurant. Luck is there. No, Mr. Some... Tick is there, the torturer from the first ah, episode. Ah, you're right, the torturer's there with his scissors being like, why, hello there. Look at my special torture scissors. Aren't have, they nice? Have you seen my shiny new scissors? They're very sharp. Cut through anything. The main Gandors enter and are like, you maybe shouldn't talk to him. Yeah, look, what do you want, lady? He's our special boy. Uh, it's me, Luck Gandor, and the other Gandors. I'm Eve Genoard. Are you? I'm Dallas Genoard's younger sister. Oh. You mean that horrible Dallas boy we all hate? Yes, that's me. Please tell me where he is. And we get a great shot. They all look at each other and go, ooh. And like it keeps ooh, cutting yikes. cutting back to um, Eve talking. And in the background, we can see uh, Elian frantically making motions with his hands like, no, please stop talking. Don't These are dangerous it. men. <laughs> Gustavo bursts in. More on all, that later. And he's all like, hey, motherfuckers, guess what? Tommy gun. Mm-hmm. We cut back to the bit where Jacuzzi is like, I'm going to go be a brave hero. Uh, smooch niece, and we follow niece from that scene now. We've been dating for ten years, that was our first kiss. That was your first kiss? And they're climbing up on top of the train, and Nick is ranting the whole time. Hey, like, for ten years, getting a first kiss now is real dumb. Like, that's, that's insane. How old are you two now? Ten years? Really? Like... Kiss net only now? Like, that's dumb. That's this real bit, dumb. This bit reminds me of the episode of Archer, where they're mm. on a train, and Archer is very excited the whole time yeah, to no. have a fight on top of a train. And then finds out it just kind of sucks. Yeah, a lot of wind, a lot of bugs hitting your face. But no one in this show is bothered by it. No, you can't, like, Archer has to hold down onto the thing for any, like, movement yeah, to yeah. be possible. Any movement by the train is horrendous. And he's just like, this sucks. This is all I wanted and this sucks. <laughs> so Lad Russo is walking down the carriage and he's like, sure, I'm excited to murder people. I just murdered that kid and now I'm going to climb up on top of the train here because one of my other goons is like, there's a woman on top of the train with a knife. Mm. Lad is so excited because this beautiful woman in this beautiful dress is there and is like, she's obviously one of the Lemurs and I'm so excited to fight someone on top of a train. <laughs> This is fate. You and I were destined to meet here and kill each other. I shall accept your love through the medium of train battle. Will you accept my love through the medium of this shotgun shell? She says nothing. She's standing silently on top of the train and we cut to her internal monologue and her her vision of her father with her. <gasps> Huey Lafferay. The white clothes pe- clothed people might try to approach from the top of the train, so I'm up here to stop them. How very smart of you, my daughter. Are you going to protect that fool goose? You know he'll just try and kill you when he's got what he wants. Oh, but I don't do it for them, father. I do it for you. They just want to become immortal. But I care about you, father. You're the only one who loves me. Shot of of white pigeons flying in background with yep. black raven. I'm a little unclear what this symbolism is, to be honest. I, f- I feel like she so is... So obviously the white dove is a symbol of peace. Uh-huh. It's always in bright light, even though it's nighttime right now. I don't think it's meant to be a symbol of peace here. I think it's just meant to be he has a lot of white followers, but then this lady oh, she is, is the like raven. The true follower yeah, she's the them. woke follower. <laughs> sure. You know? She's the raven amongst uh, pigeons. She internally monologues to protect the knowledge I received from you. I abandoned speech. So she's like a quiet from Metal Gear Solid 5. Yes, very <laughs> Except much so. Instead of vocal cord parasites, she has. Presumably some knowledge of the elixir. Maybe? I mean, she knows that he's a model. Yep. But I don't know if she knows about the whole thing. With, I mean, what else could it be, you know? With Zillard Quates. Yeah. It could be just a completely other family so perhaps, trying to bring him back. I, and I'm just speculating here. I can't remember this. Mm-hmm. Of course, Zillard ate um, Miser's brother, who has half the knowledge of the elixir. Yes. I could wager perhaps he shared that with Huey at some point. Because a Huey, of course, also had vaguely sinister vibes. Maybe, but it's never explicitly stated or may- yet. Not yet. Or maybe Huey's friend, the demon, gave him some info. Ah, the demon. Maybe. Maybe. 
But this lady hasn't talked to him in a while, evidently. Mm-hmm. So I'm up here to defend your honor, father. Uh, and I'm going to go fight this uh, talkative idiot. I'm going to die before you. So I may as well protect your legacy or so, something. So this is great. Um, niece and Nick mm-hmm. uh, in the middle, like halfway up the train cart looking like, oh, there's a that black dressed woman. And then behind them, oh, there's Lad Russo, the white suited loudmouth. So these two are like perfect mirror images. Shane never talks and kills people in black suits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Lad always talks and kills people in white suits and they're prepared to fight each other. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. She's got a knife. He's got a gun. She's done the one thing they say you should never do. (laughs) (laughs) Just in every single media I've ever witnessed, bringing a knife to a gunfight does seem to work. And yet the saying still exists, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Lad fires his shotgun at her. She deflects the shotgun with her knife. And just yet again, every media I've ever seen. Knife wins over gun. They fight briefly. He talks constantly. He's all like, oh, this is getting me off. I am enjoying this. She is all business. She fights for the one person she loves. He fights because he enjoys it. Is this really happening? Am I enjoying this as much as I am? Are you deflecting all my bullets with your knives? He hits one of those overhanging um, railway... Oh, signals. Signals? Yeah. Perhaps the very signal that the Lemurs were meant to get a signal from. Uh, and the signal uh, goes like it around. It swings around and he is uh, sent back to a, a further back part of the train. And uh, uh, Shane pursues and Nice and Nick are just like, what the fuck? That was intense. Anyway, let's climb down here. Oh no, we've been found by one of the Lemurs. He's got a gun. He's all like, all right, you two, enough of this peep show. Come on down. Yep. Come on. More on that next episode, I guess. 1932, the future. Gustavo enters the Gandor restaurant and he's like, like Gandor, you're supposed to be dead. Yeah, I guess everyone's concerned with me being dead. You used a body double or something, didn't you? I used a body double. And the other two Gandors are just quietly continuing their card game. Mm -hmm. They're just stealing cards off one another. I guess they're playing Go Fish. No, No, it's Old Maid. Yeah, Yeah. some weird game where it's like you take a card from the other person and then put in your own cards. Like Old Maid. I don't know what that game is, but I'm going to look it up when I get home and understand what it is. Because you'd expect them to be playing poker, the hardcore Mm. gangsters that they are. Or maybe like Baccarat or something. Some weird game that's... Rummy. Yeah, cards, bridge. Bridge? Bridge, although there is no fourth player, but... Do you need four for bridge? Yeah, you need a partner. Is bridge the one where you shoot the moon? The fuck is shoot the moon? That's a move you can do in a card game. Is it? Maybe bridge. Oh, no, bridge is just really complicated. It's like you can't... Is bridge like Mahjong, but with cards? No, no. Mahjong is like poker, but with tiles. Okay. It's just like, you need to match three of the things. And you've got to create divine winds. Uh, Depends on the Mahjong, but yeah. Like you can, um, it's it's basically match three or sequence three with, I think, 11 tiles or something. Okay. I think. Long story short, Gustavo, who is... All meaningless sound and fury for his whole role in this show. Mm. As his boys shoot up the Genoa, uh, the, um, yeah, you've infected me with it. <laughs> the Gandors, who are, of course, being immortal, stand back up. And they're just like, you know? You know, we are more powerful than you. There are some things in this world you wouldn't understand. Oh, and Eve Genoa is like, no, stop. You don't understand. They're not working with the Genoards. I knew you were working with the Genoards because there's one here. And then shoots up the yep, Gandors. They get back up. Eve's all like, oh my god! And they're all like, oh my god! More on that next time. Mm -hmm. Isaac and Maria are back looking at the skyline, doing the same Cory as they were in their previous scene. Wow, we sure didn't rob the the Gandors. Well, let's go rob the Martillos. All they had was this liquor. Liquor's useless to us. This immortality elixir that we now have and will almost certainly drink. That we don't know what it is yet. Oh, well, let's go steal from the Martellos. Yep. Uh, and they go sneak into a speakeasy dressed as a uh, priest and a nun. Uh, Ennis is watching from a car, yep. I believe, with a with a newspaper in front to so hide her face. They sneak their way in uh, and then they're at this table and they're like, act natural. Yeah, act natural. And then we cut to Ennis's perspective and they are both just running around in circles, then posing, running over to a different part of the restaurant, running around in circles, then posing. And they're like, act natural. And the waitress is like, we'll be with you shortly. And she's in a traditional Chinese... Uh, garb. I guess garb. I waitress guess. garb. Yeah, waitress garb. Like some kind of server outfit um, as they're doing their own thing. They eventually wind up in the back of the restaurant and they find 
light coming from some strange holes in the floor. Oh, as if as if a series of bullets had been fired through the floor here. And Isaac posits there's definitely an office down there. Now we just have to find out how to get through. The waitress runs over. Customers can't go over there. It's dangerous. Ah! She trips, falls on him. Down below at Firo's initiation, <laughs> the leader fires around through the ceiling and Maria shouts out, No, Isaac's been shot! But we find out, in fact, the bullet just went harmlessly through his hat. And uh, or the it. waitress is like, oh no, there's been a huge accident. Isaac is like uh, in Maria's lap. Isaac is just like lying in her lap. And Isaac's like, don't worry, I'm actually pretty all right. But you will die, right? Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, one day. Oh no! <laughs> that gets sad. Uh, Firo comes up and is like, oh, it's you guys from the hat store. I didn't realize you were a priest and a nun. If I'd known you were a father and a sister, I wouldn't have shot into the ceiling like mm. that. Ennis looks in. Ennis looks in. Uh, oh, that man has my missing button. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of that. Oh, man. So, Nick, highlights and lowlights from this one. Well, I guess the highlight would have to be getting the answers about almost everything to do with the rail tracer <laughs> and who the lady in clothes is, yeah. work clothes is. So, that's my highlight. It's just answers. My highlight is... Um, uh, ooh, good good moments to choose from in this one, but I think Very ultimately good. I'm going to have to go with um, seeing Claire Stanfield turn the tables on middle-aged conductor. Ah, yes. And, and, just... and then, then the subsequent entry of the other red-haired man in a conductor's uniform that set up what we assumed was the body of mm. the young conductor, aka Claire. But it was doomed the whole yeah. time. Yeah, he was doomed Doom. when he entered yes. that carriage. Yes. <laughs> Um, low lights. Low lights. Low lights. Low lights. Low lights. Low <laughs> lights. Uh, I want to say my low light would have to just be Shanae on the top of the train doing the weird monologue. Still with not Huey. entirely clear why she went up there. Even yeah, though exactly. She was thinking about that and like, then kind of just thought away from answering the question. So, like, two things get me. One is that she just randomly went up there after some strange realization yep. that she doesn't exposit on at all until Huey's like, So, why'd you come up here? It's like, Oh, because I think they're going to come up here. It's like, Why did you think that? She was right. I mean, she was right to an extent, but then... <laughs> but they only went up there because they saw her up there. Yeah, so it was like, well, lad, why'd lad go? Because she saw her. It's like, yeah, okay, but why did she... She's just there to be an obstacle to niece and Nick. Ugh, just, yeah, just a bit dumb that that happened. But yeah, that's fair. Other than that, it's difficult. It's a difficult pick yeah, for a low light. Yeah, good couple of eppies. Mm. I think my low light is probably... Mm. My low light. <laughs> the lowest of lights. I'm just going to say Gustavo scenes. Don't really give a shit about this guy. Mm. He's only been in the opening. Literally everything to do with the Gandors and the Genoards and the whoever other gang members are there. It's just like, okay. Well, the Gandor but... stuff is linking in with um, Dallas getting kidnapped by Zillard and mm. the immortality elixir. Yeah. So that's, that's been looped into what we, we would consider the main plot. But what about Firo? What about Firo? Well, he's, just, he's in the same room as Ennis right now and the elixir, isn't he? Ooh, maybe. Nick. Yes. What do you think will happen in the next two episodes mm -hmm. entitled, first, Shane Lavaray remains silent in the face of two mysterious people. Uh-huh. And Firo and the three Gandor brothers are felled by assassins' bullets. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so, the two mysterious... Did it say two mysterious men or two mysterious people? Two mysterious people. Interesting. Interesting. Two mysterious people. Shine on top of the train. Well, it's gonna be Isaac and Maria. <laughs> it might be. They're very mysterious. Well, she, she leapt past um, niece and Nick, didn't she? Chasing oh, Lad down the train. Did. What if it's Jacuzzi and Donnie? It could be. It could be. We know she's got to meet up with Claire at some point. What if it's Lua and a random goo? We also know that Lad and Lua need to reunite because they are both together off the train in the post-train sequence we saw. Exactly. It could be... The Rail Tracer. The Real Rail Tracer. And The Rail Tracer. Yeah. Um, oh, God, too mysterious. But I want to say Isaac and Maria purely because when they say fell, it could be a misdirect. Yeah, and they went off to go kill the Rail Tracer and we haven't seen them since. Yeah, so. exactly. So they could make a mistake and be like, oh, this lady is the Rail Tracer. Yeah, that and seems like just, something they would do. Yeah, which would be kind of funny. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be fun. 
Um, what's going to happen with... Um... Cheslaw? Yep. Who, who do you think the immortal on the train is, crucially? Hmm. It could... Okay, so it's not Shane. It's got to be someone who was in the dining cart when he inadvertently revealed his true name. So it could be so Isaac or Maria. Main characters we had there, Isaac mm-hmm. and Maria. Yep. The senator's wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. Main. Um, <laughs> Rachel was there. She was, she was. Uh, Rachel also, Kuhn. sure. Which repeatedly... Which is, which is her surname. <laughs> all subtitles are just like, yep, it's got to be Rachel Kuhn, not just Rachel. Yep. Uh, there were a bunch of uh, nameless people in there. But of yep. course, the other char- the other people who were characters in that scene, I suppose, were the, the man behind the bar... Mm-hmm. who we see in the opening give the room service wine to Claire. Yep, which was a bit of a weird, like, wow, this guy's getting a lot of screen time yeah. considering. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's about everyone, isn't it? I want to say Isaac or Maria would be the immortal, right? Because we've seen that well, scene... We know they are involved in... In the elixir to some extent. Yeah, in the stuff that happens pre-train with Firo and Ennis and Zillard. Mm. And he's like, this is a nice party trick, isn't it? It's a nice party trick, as eh? yeah. neat. That's probably a pretty good guess, I reckon. Yeah. So it's probably one of them, but then Cheslaw, will he get them? No, because they get off the well, train. Well, Cheslaw, of course, having had probably a couple of centuries at this point of being paranoid about the presence of any other potentially unknown immortal, doesn't realise he's in the in the presence of the two most harmless immortals he could ever <laughs> hope to be around. Just being like, wow, so you two are the immortals? All right, I guess I can just leave pretty safely yeah. then. <laughs> and that's it. That's all he needs. Um, what other unknowns do we have right now? Firo, Ennis, and... Yeah. Maybe they'll all just be like, wow, you guys are pretty good people. All round. And then just... That seems to be what happens to rooms that enter, that Isaac and Maria enter. Yeah, they're just like, wow, you guys are pretty alright. Except for Dallas, of and, course. And Zillard's scheme to get the elixir, how, how will that go? Ennis is probably conflicted right now because she knows that her new friends, Isaac and Maria, have it. But she's under orders from Master Zillard to get it at any cost. Hmm, indeed. And Firo has the button that's missing from her jacket uh, cuff. And that missing button symbolises the things that she has been missing in her life of servitude to Zillard. Connection. To other humans. Oh, I was going to say one part of the cuff to the other. Okay. Because Zillard never paid for... um... Proper tailoring. Exactly. (laughs) He was just like... She'll have to go to the hat store. Oh. No, um, maybe... They'll all just become friends. Maybe they'll literally just all become friends. Mm-hmm. And they'll all be like, we're immortal too. It's like, oh, are you immortal? That doesn't make any sense. Let's drink some liquor. And Zillard? Zillard will be all like, where's that damn Ennis of mine? She's gone. Because we know that Firo's mentor, Miser, mm. has a long history of antagonism with Zillard. Mm. But do they know where they are at any time? No. <laughs> well, in that case, Zillard will probably be like, guys, I don't know where Ennis is. I don't know where she is. This is bad. And then probably take matters into his own hands? And last question. Yes. Even the Gandors. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? Of course, she knows that they're immortal now. Even the Gandors. Gustavo, things aren't going to go well for him, we can assume. I want to say that Eve will find Dallas because the Gandors will be like, you know, I just pity you. Yeah. In terms of... You're just an innocent yeah. little girl. Yeah. So we'll tell you where he is. They'll find him in some river somewhere. Dredge him up. Dredge him up and be like, let's just find my brother. And then he'll be all like, I've been dying over and over again for the last, like, year and a half. Has this experience humbled me or made me even worse? (laughs) So much worse. (laughs) He'll just be filled with rage and antagonism and be like, you know what, sis? Gonna be okay. I'm gonna steal the flying pussyfoot. I'm gonna kill literally all of them as best I can. Great, okay. Not knowing that they're immortal. Let's wrap it up. Cool. This has been Jojo's World. You have been listening to it. Through and you your... will again. Or will you? Yep. Yep, you probably will. <laughs> I. Yep. Thanks for listening. It's been a good time. Yeah. yeah. We wouldn't make it if people didn't listen. Yeah. Cool. Until next time. <laughs> to, to be, be continued. continued. Arrivederci.